I want to start by reading from the first page of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Book of the Psalms, page 766 in the Bible that I'm using, Psalm 111 and verse 10. The fear of Jehovah is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his precepts. Then I would like to read from the Gospel according to Mark, page 1190, Mark chapter 1. Gospel according to Mark chapter 1, and again verse 1. Beginning of the glad tidings of Jesus Christ, Son of God, as it is written in in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way. Voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. There came John, baptising in the wilderness and preaching the baptism of repentance for remission of sins. There went out to him all the district of Judea and all they of Jerusalem and were baptised by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. John was clothed in camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes he that is mightier than I after me, the thong of whose sandals I am not fit to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptised you with water, but he shall baptise you with the Holy Spirit. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptised by John at the Jordan. Straightway going up from the water he saw the heavens parting asunder and the Spirit as a dove descending upon him. There came a voice out of the heavens, Thou art my beloved Son, in in thee I have found my delight. Uh, Then in the Gospel according to Luke, Chapter 24, page 1265, page 1265, Luke chapter 24 and verse 45. Then he opened their understanding to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written and thus it behoved the Christ to suffer and to rise from among the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then lastly, in Revelation and chapter 22, last book of the Bible, page 1509, Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are they that wash their robes, that they may have right to the tree of life they should have right to the tree of life and that they should go in by the gates into the city. Without are the dogs and the sorcerers and the fornicators, the murderers and the idolaters and everyone that loves and makes a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify these things to you in the assemblies. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star will be evident, dear friends, that all of these scriptures speak about beginnings, or the beginning. 
I started right at the very beginning, which is in the beginning, God. Heard a comment a few weeks ago. Somebody said that it's about time people recognised that we live in a secular society these days. Well, dear friend, I have to tell you, whatever kind of society we might feel that we live in, the existence of God has to be acknowledged. And it has to be acknowledged by each and every one of us. Creation, which is what we read about, it says created the heavens and the earth. Creation itself speaks to man about God. Speaks to man about his wonderful plans and powers. And the top stone of God's creation was a creature that he created in his image and his likeness, and that is man. And if, friend, in recognising the existence and authority of God, because he has authority if he is the creator, surely we would be drawn to recognise that we need to answer to him, and that we have to do with him. Men seek to shut God out of their lives at their peril, often referred to the first chapter of Romans. Men thought it not good to have God in their thoughts. So God gave them up to a reprobate mind. Well, there are many right-thinking people these days who wonder why things are like they are. Well, dear friend, it's one thing when man gives God up. It's a very different thing altogether when God gives man up. But the glad tidings goes out, dear friend, because whilst in that sense God has given man up to allow him a certain level of practising his own will, God would still speak to men. And he would speak to you tonight in the glad tidings at the beginning of another year. Yes, here we are in 2024. I never thought when I was young that the gospel would be being proclaimed in 2024. I didn't even think the gospel would be proclaimed in the year 2000. But here we are, God's grace has extended unto this day, the beginning of another year, and God is still speaking to the the hearts of men, still appealing to men tonight. And so we read in, in the psalm, The fear of Jehovah is the beginning of wisdom. Do you fear Jehovah, dear friend? Do you fear God? When I speak about the fear of God, I don't mean a fear in that way of fright. I mean a a fear of respect and reverence. Because God is due our respect and reverence. The fear of Jehovah is the beginning of wisdom. And if you consider the fear of Jehovah and the righteousness and holiness of God, you will find, dear friend, that if you consider these things rightly, that you will find that you are found wanting in his presence. And you are found wanting, dear friend, in his presence because of the existence of sin. Now each one of us are sinners, there is no escape from it. Scripture tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even if you try to say, well, 
I did sin in the past, but I don't sin anymore. Dear friend, you still come short of the glory of God. You are still not fit for his presence. The fear of Jehovah is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his precepts. Well, dear friend, do you think about God's righteousness? Do you think about God's claims upon your soul? Do you think about how you will stand before him? Because in your own righteousness, you won't stand before him. You will be found wanting. But dear friend, the glad tidings goes out because God has come out in the person of his son. That's why I read in Mark's Gospel, because it speaks of the beginning of the glad tidings of Jesus Christ, Son of God. Well, the glad tidings, you know, are all about Jesus. You might say, well, I thought the glad tidings were about my salvation. Well, they are about your salvation. But, dear friend, the glad tidings are all about Jesus. And, you know, even if I had the capacity for it, and I certainly don't, if I was to start to tell you all about Jesus, you would be here far longer than a a few minutes on a Sunday evening. Because, dear friend, Scripture tells us that the world itself couldn't contain the good things about Jesus. The world itself couldn't contain the books written if the things that Jesus did were written down one by one. Prepare, voice of one, crying in the waters, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. This man, Jesus, was to come into the earth. Or he was, at this time, he was to come into his public service because he had been born some 30 years before this and lived in relative obscurity. And yet, you know, here he was, was his messenger, John. He says about Jesus, he preached saying, There comes he that is mightier than, than I after me, the thong of whose sandals I am not fit to stoop down and unloose. Dear friend, John was speaking about Jesus. John was preaching about Jesus. Speaks about Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. Baptised by John in the Jordan, straightway going up from the water, he saw the heavens parting asunder, spirit as a dove ascending upon him. Came a voice out of heaven, Now art my beloved Son, in thee I have found my delight. This is a word spoken from heaven to Jesus. One who had lived for 30 years and most people knew very little about him and yet the eye of heaven had been upon him. One who had, knew, who had known no sin. It says he knew no sin, neither was there guile found in his mouth. Think of that. One who was so perfect, who was so wonderful that he could bring pleasure to God for the whole of his life. And you know... Jesus was to come here to make the heart of God known. Jesus Christ, Son of God. This was the person who was being proclaimed. And he was being proclaimed. He was being proclaimed to be the saviour of sinners. You know, when his name was given, says his name was given, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That was what the purpose of Jesus' coming was. Or at least, the Lord Jesus came to earth to make 
God known, to make the love of God known. This was the beginning of his public pathway. And every footstep that he took was used in making the heart of God known. Showing the love of God towards creature, his creature man. Showing the love of God to those who were lost and undone by sin. What happened when he came into contact with those that were diseased and afflicted? He healed them. He brought in healing. He made the deaf to hear, the dumb to speak, the lame to walk. Raised the dead. Death couldn't stand in the presence of Jesus. Jesus was the originator of life, as we read this afternoon. The originator of life. (coughs) Spoke of the originator of life. They slew. Dear friend, this was the man Jesus. And that was what he was here to do. He was to show the heart of God towards his creature. Though lost and undone by sin, the Lord Jesus went on that pathway which took him not only through these these towns and cities where he made the love of God known, but it took him right on to Calvary's cross. He went to Calvary's cross to become the sin bearer, dear friend. He went to Calvary's cross to take upon himself the question of your sins and mine. He went to Calvary's cross, dear friend, to suffer and to die. Not so much at the hands of man. It was men who put him upon the cross. But dear friend, he went to the cross so that he might exhaust God's righteous judgment of sin. You know, there were the three hours that men could see. Three hours that he hung there. I hesitate to use the word, but a spectacle really amongst men. And yet, God was looking down on that occasion. And yet, dear friend, there was the three hours that were clothed in darkness. No eye of man was to see what went on in that time. Where Jesus became the sin bearer. Where Jesus exhausted God's righteous judgment of sin. Where Jesus gave up his life. The end of the three hours he could say, it is finished. It is finished. Having said that, he delivered up his spirit. You know, it wasn't men that took his life. The Lord Jesus gave his life. He gave his life for you and for me. He gave his life for sinners like you and me. He gave his life for you if you will believe in him. If you will put your faith and trust in him. If you will come in repentance and accept him as your saviour. He gave his life for you, dear friend. Can't really enter into what went on in those three hours. Suffice to say that it is the only time that the communion between the Lord and his father had been broken. He could cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus Christ was forsaken of God for that short, that period of time because of the awfulness of sin. One in whom the Father had found his delight, not only in his public service, but in his early life that we know very little about. The Lord Jesus Christ became the sin bearer. He became the sin bearer and he exhausted God's judgment of sin. 
And then he gave up his life. And then what happened? Speaks of there being a great earthquake and the veil of the temple being rent in two from the top to the bottom. In that sense, God could come out in blessing towards his creature, man, because there was a righteous basis now to offer blessing to those who were lost and undone by sin because the judgment had been met. Judgment had not only been met, but it had been exhausted. And that's why I read this scripture in Luke, because it speaks of the Lord Jesus. After he had been raised again, he opened their understanding to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, Thus it behoved the Christ to suffer and to rise from among the dead the third day. You know, few little words put in there, but just think of what was involved in that suffering and going into death. He suffered not only at the hands of man, he suffered at the hands of God. A man pierced his side, but the Lord Jesus, his blood, love's answer gave. And he was put in the tomb by those who loved him. But it says, and rise from among the dead the third day. Yes, he had no place amongst the dead. Death could not hold him. Death had no claim upon him. Death is the wages of sin. This one Jesus had done no sin. And neither was there gall found in his mouth. Raised from among the dead the third day. But then what does it go to say? On that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Well, that's another beginning, dear friend. Beginning at Jerusalem. The last place on earth that they deserved to hear the glad tidings was the first place that heard them. What grace that God, God has, doesn't he? And now, in 2024, God would speak again here in Worthing. And he would speak to your heart tonight to ask you to repent from your sins. Put your faith and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Trust in him. Trust in God's work. Trust in the work of Christ. Trust in God's word and trust in Christ's work so that you might know what it is to have life in his name. The originator of life ye slew we read this afternoon. Dear friend, tonight it's not original life that is offered, it's new life. New life found alone in Jesus. Life found in one who has removed the taint of sin completely from your record if you'll come in repentance to him. And, dear friend, it gives you right to be written in the book of life. Well, at the beginning, the way to the tree of life was guarded. Man had to be cast out of the garden and the way to the tree of life had to be guarded. Read in Revelation, I, Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. That's Jesus. Everything for God is found in Jesus. Everything for God is found in Jesus and those that he brings to, it, to him. But blessed they that wash their robes that they might have right to the tree of life. Well, washing our robes means really to clear ourselves from everything that attached to us in the past. 
put our faith and trust in Jesus in that way, we are washing our robes and we might have right to the tree of life. We might have right to live in God's presence. He would desire that you might live for eternity in his presence, dear friend. Gospel is preached, tells us in tells us in John chapter 3, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, thus must the Son of Man be lifted up, that everyone who believes on him might not perish, but have life eternal. Well, what does eternal life mean? Well, it means simply to have a relationship with God, with a holy and righteous God, without fear, because you know that you are there on a righteous basis. You're there not on your own righteousness, you're there on the righteousness of Christ, if you'll accept him as your saviour. Dear friend, won't you accept him tonight? Won't you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Won't you recognise that he went to the cross in your stead? Won't you recognise that he bore your sins upon that cross? Won't you recognise that he suffered and died for you? But dear friend, he didn't remain in death. He was raised again the third day, as was given much witness to. And then he ascended up into heaven. And he's coming again to call all those who, who love him to be with himself. Are you waiting for that call? Or are you still somewhat fearful? At the beginning of another year, you feel maybe that things haven't been settled or they haven't been settled to your satisfaction. Well, dear friend, don't worry so much about your satisfaction. What about having things settled to God's satisfaction? I can assure you, dear friend, that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, confess him as your saviour, confess your sins, accept him as your saviour, that God has a righteous basis to bless you. And he has that righteous basis because he has told us in his holy word that he is satisfied with the work that the Lord Jesus has done. If God is satisfied with it, surely you can be satisfied with that work, dear friend. Don't seek to bring your own works to him because even our righteousnesses are as filthy rags before God. Let us know what it is to put our faith and trust in Jesus and him alone. Let us know what it is to contemplate him and contemplate his glory. Contemplate what he means to God the Father. And let us have a greater appreciation of that one, the man of God's choice. May we all do, know something afresh of it tonight, for his name's sake. <coughs>